Hey there, you're listening to the Men at Grace podcast with Brad Walbridge and myself, Chris Rivers. We are really glad you're here. We want to thank you for joining us. And if this is your first time, welcome. Our goal in every episode is to help motivate and encourage men to take responsibility for the people and situations that God brings into their lives. Brad, tell us about our interview today. Yeah, Chris, you sit down with Scott Mazingo and Paul Gato, and you discuss the stewardship of masculine energy in retirement, which... I've never really been thinking about at my age, but at 41, I probably should be. And you guys explore the ways to incorporate serving and discipleship opportunities in that unique season of life that, I mean, for all of us, we're we're looking ahead to that. And you guys really dig into some key practical things for that season of life. Yeah. So one of the questions that Paul addresses is how do I structure my retirement to disciple people? Have you ever thought about that (laughs) question ever? Yeah. Never thought about that because we think about the season of life financially, Mm -hmm. right? But not really stewarding. It's that I need to talk to a financial advisor, put money away, and it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. And Paul really brings it into the foreground. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was so challenged listening to this conversation for the first time. It it really made me think one of the questions that I was wrestling with was how conscious am I of the decisions Mm -hmm. I'm making? And I think Paul's on to something here. This is going to be a great interview for us. We were talking about this the other day, a story about how my dad has affected me, how your dad has affected you, just thinking about the decisions that we're making because I have kids. My dad, he retired at 52 years old. And I remember that when he retired, one of the things that he got was a Harley Davidson. I remember he came off the 18 wheeler. He gets on the bike, drives it home. And he drives up and of course my mom sees him and says, Hey, what are you doing? You know, this is not going to work. You cannot have this, this motorcycle. So he was like, all right, you know, but I was thinking about how that decision has really shaped my thoughts because when I had thought about retiring, like if I ever get a chance to not have to work anymore, like Paul's going to talk about right. in a minute, I have always thought about what I can get you know, not what I can give. Sure, sure. You know, and so for me, like, how conscious am I of the decisions I'm making? My kids are watching everything I'm doing. Yeah. And I watched everything my dad did. So I really looked at that through the lens of my father as I went through this interview. It was really interesting. So what about you? What are, what were some of your thoughts in listening to this? Yeah, I, I think for me, the, the idea of planning ahead, like thinking ahead towards that season, mm-hmm. and what does my life look like right now, Yep. not just looking to that season as one day I'll get there. What am I actually doing now yeah. with the resources God's given me? Yeah. My hand is should be open and it should be ready to receive, but also ready to, to very easily give out. But what am I doing now to prepare for that season? It's not just financial. I mean, the yeah. way that, that Paul talks, it stirs up thoughts of health, and how my home is being used mm-hmm. to interact with other people and host other people and how our family is being deployed in, in different ways. So I'm thinking about a lot of different categories for me as a man yeah. and how my authentic manhood plays into all those categories for the future. Yeah. This interview is filled with nuggets of wisdom. Yeah. Okay. Like I feel like there were many times where I, you're going to want to stop this interview and you're right. going to write down things. One of the things that Scott talked about is that activity by itself is not the goal, that activity should always lead to a greater devotion 
Right. And so that has also made me think too. So as you're listening to this interview, I think you're also going to be encouraged that it's not just about what we get done. Mm-hmm. You know, like Paul's retired. You're thinking about this. You're hearing this story, and he's doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. But it's not about the stuff. Right. You know, it's about the devotion to a God who has created us. And it's just great when you think about the definition of manhood is that we would be responsible for, we'd move towards people and we would depend on God. This is a great opportunity for us to depend on God, this whole story. So I don't know, any thoughts you want to add on that? Yeah, well, I I know you're such a, I mean, you are such a task-driven guy. Yes. Which I think a lot of guys are, right? Whether it's at home or at work, there's that list of what they're working through and they just want to go kill it. Mm. And I've wondered about this for you You've got the task list of what you're working at. What does that idea look like of devotion yeah. for you in contrast with just getting the tasks done? Yeah. So I think I identify a lot with Paul in this because I feel like I can get stuff done. I might not be retired right now, but I think I'm successful. I mean, I I mean, I think you're successful. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day and they were telling me something that you did. I mean, that's successful, like what you're doing. But I think for me, sometimes I can get so ahead of God that I'm doing things in my own strength and I'm not depending on God anymore. And I think community, I think giving my life away, those are two big things that I have to be constantly thinking about or else it just becomes a part of a, a checklist. Right. I mean, if I treat my wife like a task, it's not going to go well long. No. Does that make sense? It does. And, and I think what it highlights for me is that in this, what we're hearing in this episode and what comes out of this, the the nugget bombs, as you call it, yeah. it reminds me, like so many other things, is a discipleship issue. Yeah. I mean, everything's a discipleship That's issue. That's right. That's right. But, but this often can get overlooked as, well, I put some money away, set it aside, and yeah. one day it'll be there. There's so much more to this. That's right. And I, I really feel like Paul opens that up for us and and fills our minds with a lot of thoughts. Yeah, I guarantee that you know someone that is getting ready to retire or they're getting into that stage where they're thinking about what am I going to do in this next season of my life? So you probably know someone like that. Or maybe you are just a season before that. Because we feel like this is such a great topic and an incredible story, we created some questions for others to review to help them move towards authentic manhood in the gospel. So check out those in the show notes after this is done. But let's go ahead. Let's jump into this episode and let's hear our interview with Paul Gato and Scott Mazingo. Well, all right, guys, how are we doing today? Good. Good to be here, Chris. Yeah, man. Glad you're here, Scott. And Paul Gato, glad you're here. Oh, glad to be here. We've been talking offline and having some conversations, so I'm really glad you're here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Love to hear more about you. Uh, Sure, Chris. So uh, my wife, Patty, and I have been married almost uh, 38 years. We Mm -hmm. moved to Greenville over uh, five years ago when I retired from my job at Caterpillar, the big yellow heavy equipment manufacturer. And in my career, I had the privilege of really living and and, um, working around the country and around the world. Yeah. And uh, in terms of our spiritual life, um, I was raised as a Catholic. Okay. Uh, Patty was raised in a traditional Christian home, and I was baptized uh, after we got married. We were blessed in that we could retire early. Both of us were in our mid-50s, and the question was then, where are we going to spend our, our golden years? Sure. And uh, we've got three adult children. They're spread across the country, so that really wasn't driving our decision. Um, and we learned about Greenville really through our daughters. They both okay. uh, visited Furman um, on their college trips, and... Neither one of them attended there. They went to a different uh, different schools, but uh, we ended up really falling in love with with Greenville. And so, five years ago, we've got a blank slate. Uh, we come here really with no no commitments, no responsibilities, and the challenge is really, how do I structure my retirement life to disciple people? Hmm. So you come come to Greenville and you got connected to Grace Church, 
And if I remember correctly, you did this through Men's Roundtable. Tell us a little bit about that. Right, right. So uh, Patty and I have moved uh, seven times during mm. our, our marriage. And the one thing we learned is find a church home first. Yeah. That's the main thing. Everything else just seems to to follow after that. And uh, we visited several churches in Greenville, a whole variety. But we kept coming back to Grace. You okay. know, the, the teaching was something that we really liked. We found it to be very biblically based. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much, you know, you study the Word and then you apply it to your your life. And um, I joined Men's Roundtable, um, took an authentic manhood class even before we placed our membership. And it was it was uh, very funny. I, I was uh, the oldest participant by at least 20 years. Okay. So I'm in this uh, class in a very different season in life. So I'm in retirement. A lot of these guys are just really starting out in, in their career. So I had them sit at my feet as I, as I taught them. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, we, we, it, there was great give and take. There was great yeah. discussion. I found it really really very challenging and really mm. uh, enjoyed it. And, um, you know, what I learned from it and really what Patty and I have learned from from Grace is we had been involved in Christian churches all of our lives. Uh, we kind of thought we needed Jesus to kind of smooth off the rough edges because mm. we were raising our kids, doing everything that a good Christian American family is supposed to be doing. And then we came to, to, to Grace and they really kind of disabused us of that notion. And yeah. we're fundamentally broken. <laughs> it's not a question of fine-tuning. It's not a question of... You know, you're you're not as bad as the you know the prostitute, the the, the drug addict. It's you're you're fundamentally broken. Mm. You've got sin in your life, and that's where you start, and then you move from there. Mm. So true, Paul. One of my um, passions and part of my job right now is to be able to help our church think through the lens of generosity and stewardship as a discipleship issue, and just leveraging what we have to disciple others. And so you bring up this idea of retirement. I think it's such an interesting question. You know, you asked yourself, how can we structure our retirement to disciple people? Um, when did that question, you know, really come into your to your mind? And then, how did how do you go about answering that question? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great point. And I, I would say it came up intermittently as I was getting closer to retirement. But more than anything else, um, Scott, it's like there were several Christian men who I uh, consider to be significant role models and mentors. Some of them family members. Uh, some of them not, but people that had huge influence on my life. And then I would see them get to this stage of life and um, things started taking a downward turn. Um, it might be a matter of they become more self-indulgent. They're, uh, you know, in a constant search for relevance since they're not working anymore. And uh, sometimes just bitterness and they're mad at, at all kinds of things. So they look back on their career and they've got failures or uh, people, you know, somebody did them wrong. They didn't get an opportunity, a job a project that they thought they should have, something festering with their spouse, and that just seems to weigh heavy on them. Uh, their kids, um, you know, strained relationship with their kids. Even church leaders like you, they get mad at church leaders. I'm sure you, you get some of that. Never. Okay. Uh, your, <laughs> your homeowners association, the guy who cut you off in traffic. I mean, you find something to be angry about. And, um, you know, my favorite is I'm mad at the world, I'm mad at the political, what's going on in politics, mad about, um, you know, the younger generation. They don't know what they're doing. And it's almost, and I'll use a 25-cent word here, vitriolic. It's just hateful, spiteful, and, um, you know, it's not, a, it's not a Christian man problem. It's a man problem, an mm. older man problem. Mm. And it's just as Christians, how are we going to deal with it in a way that's different than the way that the world deals with it? Yeah. And I think part of it is you've got, um, you know, you're physically deteriorating. I mean, that's just the way it is. These bodies aren't meant to last, uh, you know, for eternity. That's just how we're built. We've got a perfect body that's promised us in the kingdom. And so, you know, we're looking forward to... Uh, to that. Um, and it, I think it's tougher sometimes with guys that are in leadership positions because you're used to being the man. I mean, I enjoy sports, so I'll use an analogy. You know, you're Michael Jordan, and everything's great as long as you're in charge. And then mm-hmm. once they make you the eighth or ninth guy off the bench and you're a role player, it's not so great anymore. Sure. Um, and you can't do the things that you could uh, 
you could once you could once do. And um, you know, part of the uh, uh, process, I think, is you just need to remember the world is broken, yeah. and you can't fix it. Uh, it's been broken for millennia, and you can waste your energy on that. You can waste your energy on social media, ranting about things on uh, cable TV or whatever it is that gets you up, upset. Or you know, you can. It, the irony is. Um, in terms of speaking actuarially, you're closer to the kingdom than you've ever been. Mm-hmm. It should be a period of rejoicing, and it's not. And that's sort of the thing that just really bothered me. Like wow. these men who taught me about Christ, who taught me about salvation, are so much closer to it now, and yet their their attitudes are so negative. And shouldn't mm-hmm. they be positive? Shouldn't you? And I know, again, I wish I had the body I had 40 years ago. Yeah, um, we don't. And me I too. was a stud 40 years ago. Let me yeah. tell you. <laughs> me too. But uh, I have to. You know, that's just that's just not the way it is. Or it's never been the design. Read scripture. Yeah. That's not the design. And uh, so that's part of the the, the issue. And, yeah. and so that's, I mean, that's what you did. You went to scripture. Yep. You actually anchored in on some language, like a little little motto statement for your life, and then you were able to take some. Some what you were learning through Men's Roundtable and apply that. Tell tell us a little bit about just kind of this mission statement that helped drive <laughs> your view of discipling people through retirement. Okay, yeah, and I'm a uh, I'm a corporate guy, so I'm kind of a a nerd. I really do have a, a mission statement, believe it or not, and it's um, four words: um, please God, serve others. And it really is just a, a, a highly condensed version of Matthew 22 where Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? And the response is um, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. And, um, you know, I think that's really uh, Mm. important to keep that um, in mind. They're not mutually exclusive. Um, I think sometimes you can really get involved in the second one, in the service part, loving other people, and then not take care of yourself. Mm. There's an old saying, the best way to get uh, to... Uh, ruin your relationship with Jesus is get involved in the church because mm-hmm. you get so involved in service. But, you know, in terms of pleasing God, we're talking about praying fervently, studying the word diligently, worshiping appropriately, you know, honoring your wife, being a role model to your kids, being a, a good and loyal friend. Um, and uh, and then serving others is, is what we're talking about here, kind of, I think, the, the use of your your energy and how you steward, how you steward that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so... I think that's, uh, we want to anchor in on that a little bit. You've got this idea of stewardship. One of the definitions that I like and use quite often is an active and responsible management of God's creation oh, for great. God's purposes. That's great. So, Can you say that again, Scott? Yeah, so stewardship is just the the active, and we're going to compare that to passivity in just a second, but the active and responsible management of God's creation for God's purposes. And so here we are as part of God's creation, creating his image. We have this energy that we want to steward well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how have you um, seen people be able to, um, well, which direction, how, which direction do men take with that energy? There's, there's a few different directions guys can take, right? Right, right. No, and I think when we talk about guys, I'm literally talking about whether you're two or you're 92. We all have this unique energy. Uh, my wife and I work in the nursery quite a bit and really enjoy watching these little guys, guys and girls, but you, you watch some of the boys and they've got this incredible energy um, mm. that they deploy in different ways. And it's like there are three buckets that, that a man can use. So one is you deploy it positively. So that's as God intended. Um, secondly is to, to squander it. And that's mm. tantamount to passivity, right? To where you're basically um, not using a, a gift that you have at all. And we're still as deploy it in a negative way. 
And there's just unlimited examples of how a man can deploy his, his energy negatively. Anger, anxiety, adultery, alcohol, those are just the A's. So I can, I can go yeah. on. <laughs> and I think that's uh, you know, sexual sin, obviously. But there's just so many ways that you can go to a dark place if you don't have yeah. a, a plan. And the challenge for me was basically, how am I going to steward this, this gift? Yeah. Um, and I knew myself per- personally. I knew that if I didn't have a structured, well-defined plan for my life, I ran the risk of falling in that category of passivity or using it negatively. I just, personally, I don't do well with a lot of free time, and I think many men have that same same issue. Mm. And you gave a lot of examples earlier, and some of those fit into that third category of, of negative, negative energy and what we might just say are just blatant sin issues. Would you say, though, that most guys kind of find themselves in that second category of just just squandering some opportunities and some energy because they don't really have a plan or a vision for how they can finish well in the last 15, 20 years of their life? Yeah, no, that's a great, great point. I think um, lots of folks, and that's part of the process of heading towards retirement, you're looking towards comfort. So how can I get to where I'm you know, comfortable from a, a, a financial standpoint, just the way I'm living my life? So you try and find that, and it's kind of... Uh, uh, I guess, against your intuition to say, well, I want to find something that's going to make me awkward, that's going to make me uncomfortable, that's going to bring people to Christ. And that was really what I had to fight because I really, well, I enjoy my comforts. And, uh, you know, if I can, if I can um, go out and do something that I enjoy, whether it's, you know, some guys like golf, some like hunting or, or travel or visiting the grandkids, that's all great stuff and all important things to do. But you can get caught up in, in just saying, you know, there are people out there who have have needs and and the great commission is we need to be bringing people to Christ. Now I've got time mm. and I have energy. I'm still in in good health or reasonably good health. Let's what things can I do to bring people to the Lord? Mm. Yeah, that's 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 great. And thinking about the active side of that, I mean, I think that's where having a church that um, has its goal mm. of discipling people and creating opportunities for for others to step into the lives of individuals all along the, the spectrum of discipleship and just help them move one further step closer to Christ, mm. um, whether that's evangelizing a non-believer, discipling a believer, outreach, just helping serve uh, the poor and the broken. I think that's where as a church providing some opportunities so that you can then create your own plan. And, and so, and you've done that quite well. Um, there's been a lot of opportunities that you've been able to to take advantage of mm-hmm. what what yeah. are what are some of those just so that the men who are listening to this they they may not even know what those opportunities are maybe this is the first time they're thinking oh I I, I need a plan but where do I start we actually have a lot of entry gates for folks oh, absolutely yeah. tell us a little bit about your experience over the last five or six years yeah no grace has been uh, been wonderful in this uh, this quest for me and part of the the mantra I think is and I can't remember if it was Bill or Matt who said this but they pretty much said try stuff and see if you die. <laughs> Yeah. And I just thought that's great. But you're still here. That's right. That's and right. generally speaking, I didn't die, but I had some some pretty awkward moments. You know, that's just sure. the way that it it goes. My wife says my uh, spiritual gift is social awkwardness. I'm good at that. But uh, sometimes I think you need some discomfort or some awkwardness in your in your life to grow. But um, you know, not long after we started at Grace, uh, I heard an announcement they were looking for folks to serve as guardians ad litem, um, especially men, because they wanted uh, men to work with some of the older teenage boys. You know, I've always enjoyed kids. I have a heart for at-risk kids, so it seemed like a good start. And what a guardian ad litem does, just very, very briefly, is um, you've got the Department of Social Services, biological parents, foster parents who all have their views in a particular case, and you bring in an objective view of what's best for, for the child. Um, you meet with all the parties. You visit the child once a month. Um, and what I try to do for my own purposes, I try to have four or five cases at any time, so 10 to 12 
kids that I'm working with, and you make a recommendation to the courts. And uh, generally, the judges put a, a lot of value on your perspective because you don't have a dog in the fight, as they say in Texas. Wow. And um, so that's that's uh, kind of the approach that uh, you take. And there are times I feel like I make a huge difference. There are times I make no difference at all. And there are times you just get your heart broken. Um, but Grace, um, you know, to your point, has really upped their game. Beth Drake is doing a wonderful job mm. in the initiative and in bringing more people in to be guardians. So I go over to the courthouse now, and I'm seeing other Grace people. That's cool. And it's great. And, and the message to the community from Grace is, you know, it's, it's a demonstration of the love of Christ. This is our community. These are our kids, and we've got to take care of them. So I think that's, that's great. Um, just going on another uh, announcement made about four years ago was about uh, a group called Jumpstart. Uh, the men's uh, uh, or the, the prison ministry and Carrie Sanders, who's now a member at grace uh, was leading a session. So I went over to it. There were two options that you could have. One was serving as a mentor for somebody recently out of prison. The other was to go into the correctional facility and really participate in a, uh, a Bible study. And my goal was to be a mentor because I'd done that in the corporate world. I can handle that again. Mm-hmm. That's my comfort, but I just felt called when I went to the, uh, the meeting that, no, you know what, I, I need to go into the, the prison. Mm. And uh, they needed men, again, to go during the day, uh, people who had the flexibility in their schedule to do that. There's limited access at night for security reasons. And so now I go over to Tiger River Correctional Facility every Thursday morning. It's on hold right now because of uh, COVID. Um, but uh, basically, Jumpstart, 40-week program on Rick Warren's book, if you've ever written it, The Purpose Driven Life modified for folks who are incarcerated. Mm. And I've met so many guys. I mean, this is part of the challenge and getting uncomfortable is having contact with people that are outside your sphere of influence, people you would never meet. Yeah. And now, I, I, you know, some of the guys that are in this program are, uh, you know, have uh, graduate degrees. Some of them are illiterate. Some of them are former pastors. Some of them haven't darkened the door of a church ever. Um, and uh, there's an, an old saying, I don't particularly care for it, but it's half of life is showing up. Um, I don't think it applies in most circumstances, huh. but here it does. These guys, I mean, they, they're, it's incomprehensible to them as to why somebody would come in to church, uh, to, to prison to visit with them yeah. and to study the word mm. with them. So it's really, um, you know, just a, a great, great ministry. They just broke ground on something called Restoration Village, uh, which yeah. is going to be a, a transition facility for guys who are coming out of prison, you know, have, getting a job, finding a place to live are the two most important things. Lots yeah. of folks don't want them in their neighborhood, so mm. this is a a way to get them a place to, to live in on the, the straight and narrow path. That's but, right. Um, I mean, I can go on. There's lots of other um, uh, opportunities. Fostering Great Ideas is a group that uh, basically was founded by a guy named David White, but it puts um, adults in contact with foster kids, and you mentor them. And there's more flexibility. If you're somebody who's not retired or has limited time, um, they want you to meet with your, your mentee a couple times a month. You can schedule that for, you know, ball games or hiking or whatever it is that you decide uh, to mm-hmm. do. So a lot of flexibility there. Um, uh, there's several things through uh, Furman. I, I had the opportunity to meet a young man through a program there called uh, Bridges for a Brighter Future. And they take um, high school kids from around the Greenville area who have, have a lot of promise but are in tough financial situations or home situations. And this young man that I hooked up with now about four years ago um, was in that wow. um, that mode, but he was just tenacious. Mm. I mean, just a very focused kid and knew what he wanted. And um, I'm proud to say next May, not because of me, it's all him, he's graduating from Furman. Wow. And um, uh, is looking for a job. If anybody has a job for a bright young marketing guy, <laughs> okay, let me know and I'll, I'll get your resume to him. Chris, I think this is a good stopping point for us to, to help our listeners connect some dots between what Paul is sharing yeah. and then some of the resources that we have as a church that, I think we're, that's that we're rolling out. As I listen to Paul, I can't help but think about what it looks like for me and and for any of our listeners to move toward a place where we're ready 
to manage um, God's creation for His purposes. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's 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 challenging to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, steps like that are what move us incrementally more toward this authentic manhood God calls us to. Here's the thing. We have this materialistic, westernized culture that's been an effective tool in the enemy's hands, and it's it's led us to... Mounting consumer debt, mm-hmm. idolatry, greed. Money matters to all of us. Matters to you, matters to me. But it, I think in order for us to defeat the enemy's tactics and you know acquire these, these true riches that God has for us, we have to learn how to handle money, not our way, but, but how to handle it his way. Yes. You know, Money Matters is a class that helps participants renew their mindset concerning personal finance helps them become good and faithful stewards of the resources God's given them, mm-hmm. and then bring God glory through their money as well as their lives. I mean, that's it's just yeah. a whole, again, discipleship process. Yes. And then some of the questions that are on a lot of people's minds that, that the class covers, why is it so important to be generous? Mm-hmm. How much money do I need to save? How do I get rid of consumer debt, stay on budget? Does my lifestyle truly honor the Lord? Mm. Again, these are just a few of the questions that the class is covering. But if any of you as listeners are interested in Money Matters as a class that you want to take, it's a seven-week biblical community course that will help you confidently address these questions and then some other important financial and spiritual issues. So if that's something you want to be a part of, we want to encourage you to take a look at the link that's in the show notes. Follow that, get registered. We'd love to have you be a part of it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Hey, let's get back to the episode. We'll listen to more with you and Paul. Yep. Paul, I want to circle back to something that you said earlier um, and so many different ways to get involved. Um, but activity by itself is not the goal. Right. Like we right. want to steward this, this energy that we have um, as men. And, and that by energy, we're talking about, you know, physical ability. We're also talking about this wisdom, this experience, and just all that we have get been given. Activity, though, should always lead us to greater devotion. I heard someone right, say right. say recently that uh, ministry is important, but devotion is essential. Mm. How has serving in all those different ways really impacted your relationship with God? That's a great question, Scott. Let me start with how I'm broken, because I can tell you, and part of it may be the vestiges of my kind of Catholicism, but I struggle with guilt a lot. And there are times I'm doing things to relieve my guilt that have nothing to do with following the Lord. And I, I really have to, to check myself on that. I've been blessed in so many ways. I feel like I need to give back. And it's not necessarily focusing on the Lord. It's focusing on me and relieving yeah. that. So what I've really learned to do is to say, hey, when I start on any one of these activities, kind of say, okay, how can I, how can I be the face of Jesus in this particular case? And um, I think that that's, for me personally, that's something I just have to refocus. Otherwise, it really is on me. Or... You know, you kind of go through the motions, like a job or anything else. You can get to the point where you're just, you're kind of doing it, but your heart's not necessarily into it. So I really try, you know, each day and as I engage with people in these activities to say, okay, remember why I'm doing it. It's not about me. It's not about relieving my guilt or whatever I feel. It's about, you know, serving the Lord. I'm reminded of Romans, Paul says, for I know that nothing good lives in me, for that is my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And the idea of just recognizing our brokenness, that we really don't bring much to the table, Mm. but at the same time, it is our devotion that we can bring. You know, and as you went back to that, stewardship is the active and responsible management of God's creation for His purposes. And the idea of that active devotion 
I mean, that is really what you've been sharing with us is what you've done. You've just, I'm going to get plugged in to what God's doing and I'm going to get involved in discipleship and I'm going to give my life away. So Paul, just thinking about a pretty broad audience that we're reaching here, but one of one subset of that audience are, are, are men who are going to be moving into retirement years, let's say in the next five to 10. Um, so what I heard you say earlier is you got to have a plan um, that feels foreign for some men. So what kind of advice would, would you give them so that when they get to the opportunity where they have some more freedom, um, they're not in that squandering passivity phase with their, with their energy? How would you, how would you guide them now? Yeah, I guess there's a, a couple things. And, um, you know, we spend a lot of time planning financially for our retirement. So it's kind of the same thing. You do have to give it some thought. Um, you also, I, I would say, don't compartmentalize it or segment it. So start early. So you're 10, 10 years out from retirement. Start thinking about, well, maybe what's a ministry, especially if you're going to live in the same town in retirement that you are now. What, where can I start planting some seeds, maybe, where things that interest me, and then I can get more involved once I retire. I think that that's a, uh, yeah. a good way to... Uh, to do it. And, and don't always look for a formal ministry. You know, I've talked about some specific ones, but, uh, you know, I, I can get, I'll get contacted from time to time to say, you know, we need somebody to just transport people from point A to point B. And it's, you know, there's a bit of humility there, especially if you're, you're somebody who's been a leader and you've been managing people and you're in a position of responsibility. And now you've, you know, you've become a chauffeur or you're, you know, you're a guardian and you've got a, uh, a 16-year-old kid with an attitude who's talking in a way that, and, and the thought is, man, I don't need this. What am I? I don't need this. But the reality is, I need this, mm-hmm. and I need the humility, and I need the. So it's it's kind of getting yourself in that mode that things are going to be different. But man, it's tremendous opportunities. And uh, you know, I'll stress what I said before: you're getting closer to the kingdom. So get excited about it. Mm, that's good. Well, this has really been a good interview, Paul. Is there any closing comments or anything else you'd like to share as we kind of land the plane? Okay, sure, sure. Um, so uh, just a, a couple thoughts. There's a, a great uh, quote that I like uh, quite a bit that just resonates with me from a, a woman. Um, she's a French author named Anais Nin, and she said, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. And uh, it's like everything we see is through the lens of our life experience, and that's what, you know, certainly how I see the world. But if, if we're called to, you know, as we are in Matthew 25, to focus on the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, in prison, you've got to go find those folks. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to be at the margins if you're going to help the people at the margins. And I think it's really easy to sit back. And I mentioned, you know, the, the folks that I know now in prison. I mean, I now have a brother in Christ who is never getting out of prison. I mean, he did something a long time ago that he regrets. He acknowledges it and he's, he's saved and he's out doing everything he can to help other guys, um, in prison. Um, I, I had the opportunity to, to meet a young man who, uh, just turned 18, grew up in a really tough situation. He's going off to a fabulous college this fall and both his parents are drug addicts. I mean, I, I had, you know, I, I won the lottery of parents when I was a kid. I didn't have anything like that. Learning and watching how this kid overcame that and was inspired by his parents because of their failures, wow. not because of their successes. Mm. And I think, um, uh, you know, th- those types of things, I think really kind of getting out and, and meeting folks on the, on the margins. And, you know, there's something that goes on. We, we've talked about this, I think, somewhat in um, our study of Romans, and that is we get involved in our, our, um, our pack, our group, and... Um, we get involved in confirmation bias. We surround ourselves with people that are just like us. They think like us. They look like us. And then when we express opinions, man, they're just like ours. We're all doing great. As yeah. opposed to saying, you know, when you experience, again, somebody who's been in prison, someone who's had a, 
a difficult life or struggling with, with addiction, you just see things from a different perspective and you realize there's not an easy, easy solution. So you can, you can burn your masculine energy by being angry, by being judgmental, self-righteous uh, about the world, or you can just love on these image bearers because uh, that's what they are. Um, you know, and it's pretty clear if you look at what Jesus did uh, as you read the gospel, that's the, the example that we have and that's how we should model our lives. Man, so good, Paul. Well, I appreciate you sharing today. Scott, thanks for joining us. This has been a great interview. Very good. Thank you for having me. This has been yeah. great. Thanks, Paul. Dang, that was good. Yeah. I, I think just some of the things that I'm just starting to chew on mm-hmm. from what Paul is talking about. Again, discipleship issue. Um, I think bringing community yeah. and accountability into retirement decisions, it, it's so easy for us to view that as a kind of a selfish process mm-hmm. that's that's just me or just me and my spouse. But for us to actually, I mean, if this truly is God's, mm-hmm. you know, the resources that are given to us, whether that's money or property or any other kind of resource, how are we inviting others that we trust that are going to tell us the truth, that are going to challenge us to use it in ways that are going to honor God? How are we drawing them into our conversations and our decision process? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, it was was good to hear Paul and Scott. And I I think for me, at the end of my life, I want to focus on being a giver and not a taker. I mean, that's what I think I really got out of this, is that the decisions that I'm making earlier, I mentioned my dad about the Harley. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's just Mm -hmm. what I've seen. So going forward, like I, I... what are the decisions that I'm making that help my children see that their dad is a giver? Yeah. You know, and so that was really what was challenging to me and what I've taken from this. Yeah. Did did you get a sense, not only in the interview, but then, you know, just kind of listening back, did you get a sense that there can be this like this danger for us as we're listening to think that these principles only apply to people making a certain net income. Like I, yeah. I listen to Paul, I'm hearing successful mm-hmm. career, moved around the country, around the world, yeah. probably got, you know, some, some wonderful things set up that, that he earned and built and, and created mm-hmm. he and his family. But, but I think about, you know, whatever financial situation any of us are in, I don't know that that necessarily changes yeah. the responsibility we have. And I think that could be the danger is yeah. I could look at it and go, oh, well, I, I'm strapped month to month. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, things are tight, but, but the principle still is there yeah. of what are we doing with the resources God has put into our hands now and for the future. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think about the principle of stewardship is ownership. Everything that we have is not really ours. Yeah. This equipment that we're using, this laptop, whatever. It just so happened that maybe Paul had more things than we had, you know, <laughs> or he had more experience than we have, sure. but he's stewarding that experience and those resources in a way that honors God. I think that is the key here is that, uh, is that this is this season of our life that you and I are eventually going to get to mm-hmm. that. We really need to be strategic about it. Like Paul's been, yeah. you know, and uh, and I think that's what's going to help us be the men that God's calling us to be. Yeah, Th- there was this comment that Paul made that just kind of snuck in there on me and and really was rattled my brain, had me thinking a bit. Is how much what we do uh, can very easily drift into how that makes us feel, mm-hmm. 
like I, the things we're accomplishing or, or the things that we're applying money to, even if it's good things, even if it's things mm-hmm. to honor God, it could be done out of a heart posture that is selfish. Yeah. And that is all about us because of how it makes us feel. Yeah. And and how it props us up, mm-hmm. either in, in front of others or even just for ourselves. And I think that's that's another danger that we have to be we have Absolutely. to be mindful of. Absolutely. Well, I mean I would definitely, Paul Gato, if you're listening to this, thank you very much. Scott, yeah. thank you for, you know, just contributing to this conversation. It's been good. I've enjoyed talking to you about this. Yeah, and I, I want to make sure our listeners know you can learn more about this story that you've heard with Paul and, and Scott and Chris and other stories that we've been discussing. You can visit the link uh, in our show notes. Of course, share that with other people and create discussion around it. Yeah, I would say that having intentional conversations around these principles is a great way to engage in the process of discipleship and move towards Christ. So, man, thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to joining you on the next episode.